for this blessed Sabbath day. I pray that as we open up this study in this class, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit to open up our understanding and to lead us into all truth. Help us to glean, Lord, precious gems of truth from this principles, Lord, that we can apply to our own lives. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that we would be steady, that you would steady our course, Lord, and that uh, we would one day all gather around the tree of life, singing the song of the redeemed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to share it right now before we actually delve into the lesson. So let's see here. Paula says she's in a new belief. Oh, okay. Alrighty. <clears throat> so this week's uh, chapter is kind of a, a continuation of what we've been studying uh, about um, healthful things to do when you're sick. Um, and so uh, Sister White starts out talking about um, how one particular uh, doctor had erred in his instructions given to his patients and he thought that rather than any type of work that that amusements would be better for them instead of exerting any type of uh, exercise or anything like that and but she didn't apparently she didn't tell him at first this doctor and but she kept dreaming about it night after night when she was writing letters to this particular doctor and finally, she resolved that she was going to just tell him, you know, what what her thoughts were about the matter. And um, she said that basically it would prove more beneficial to his patients to allow them to do light work and even urge it on them than to urge them to remain inactive and idle and pursue um, amusements. Now, I'm not sure exactly what all those amusements were, but apparently it was just uh, basically keeping them, uh, I guess, sitting down or lying down or whatever, whatever they could do in that regard. And um, she said to remove all labor from those who have been overtaxed all their lives in nine cases out of 10 would create an injury to them. And she, she cited her husband uh, as an example. And uh, because, you know, we, we, uh, when we started this book, we, we saw that her husband was sick off and on and eventually died of, of, uh, of um, seemed like some kind of pneumonia or something similar to that. And um, she said that she was shown that physical outdoor exercise is far more preferable to indoors uh, for all of us who have treadmills and exercise bikes and all of that stuff. She's saying that outdoor, why do you think outdoor is better than indoor, even when you have the exercise equipment? You're, you're, uh, you guys are muted. Fresh air is healing all by itself, I think. And then the sunshine is out there too, which helps your mood and, uh, and helps your spirit. And I think fresh air, you exercise your lung and you're able to throw off, you know, like bad air 
and you're able to get in really, really clean, fresh, you know, as clean as you can get in the United States. Right. <laughs> and isn't the sunshine a source of vitamin D also? Mm-hmm. So you're yeah. getting all that stuff just by taking advantage of what God has given us. Mm-hmm. Um, Instead of what man has given us, just what man has given us. Now, some days it's going to be too hot, and they tell you the air, the, the temperature is too hot, don't go outside. Mm-hmm. Or they tell you the air quality is bad, don't go outside. Mm-hmm. But absent something like that, or it's just raining, thundering, you know, storming mm-hmm. and raining. But absent something like that, um, it's better to get outside than be remain inside. I think outside too, it might. I don't know if this is true, but it seemed to me like outside kind of takes your mind off of your everyday problems too. I mean, I know you don't like not think at all, but you know, at least you kind of glance up and see the trees and, you know, you might get focused on the flowers or something. So it takes Mm -hmm. your mind away from the problems. Yeah, I was going to say, I I have an indoor, uh, indoor bike trainer but I like to go outside because of the fresh air and the sunshine. And like Lakita's saying, you see the birds flying by and the butterflies and grasshoppers and the trees and the leaves blowing. And it does take your mind away from problems. You know, if you're just sitting in your house doing whatever, exercising or doing something on a treadmill or whatever, then you're still thinking about indoor type subjects like bills and I need to clean up the house and I want to put that furniture over there tomorrow, you know, instead of focusing on the creator and all that he's blessed us with. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think too, when you're outside, you're able to not just take your mind off of your everyday problems, but commune with God. You're you're able to appreciate his creative works and uh to to thereby appreciate the god of heaven who created them yeah and sometimes when i'm out riding then i'll just stop and take a break and have prayer you know and talk to the lord it's just me and him out there mm-hmm. i think it's easier to feel hopeful too you know what i mean it's like you when you have like a a wide a open space you know even if there's buildings around it's a more open space than being out closed in and cooped up in the house, then you can have more hope, I think. It just seems like it's and a greater desire to live. It's so busy outside, so much going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely turns your thoughts towards God when you're outside. Because then you're looking at creation and you're thinking, wow, if God can do all this, I know my little problem ain't nothing for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. And then she said um, that um, if outside exercise can't be done, which like I said, we were mentioning some some instances where you might not be able to be outside. She said then light indoor work should occupy and divert the mind and prevent it from basically dwelling on the symptoms and ailments that, that, that you know, are basically um, the result of your sickness. You know, and so um, if you just put your mind on something else, that'll help you get well faster instead of, oh, ooh, I can't do this and I can't do that. And I'm, you know what I mean? Yeah, because if you like laying in bed, you just going to think about how you're laying in bed and can't do this and how your leg hurts or whatever. Whereas if you get a little bit 
active doing something, you know, we're talking about if you can't get out, you're indoors, you can act, do some light stuff. And that keeps you from just dwelling on your situation so mm-hmm. much. And she said that doing nothing, uh, let me see, wait a minute, let me, I lost my place here. Um, the, oh, she said that do, this do nothing system that the doctor was recommending, she said it, 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 it proved to be a great curse mm-hmm. to um, her, her husband in particular and to the doctor's wife also. And um, then she, she talked about how God, God uh, uh, put Adam and Eve to work in the garden before the fall. Mm-hmm. So that work was, is good for man. Mm-hmm. And that uh, it, it's, it's um, light employment would not uh, excite or tax the mind or the strength any more than amusements. And that, that we are happier when we are engaged in some sort of work are happiest when we're engaged in some sort of work. I know for myself, I hate to be sick where I can't do anything. And the minute I can get up and even just move around slowly, I, I'm up because I don't like being sick and I don't like being down. And my mind just thinks about all the stuff I have to do. <laughs> and uh, I don't, um, I can't stay down too late. When you think about it, um, God put Adam and Eve in the garden to dress it and keep it not just to sit there and enjoy all the birds flying around, but to actually take care of it and cultivate it and, you know, uh, be busy. And it's like we see now in the world when people are unemployed, like they say, the idle minds, the devil's workshop. So you're just sitting around thinking of ways to get money. And, you know, it seems to people in that situation, the quickest way is to do something that's illegal. So when you got a lot of unemployment, then the crime rate's going to go up. And then people say, oh, the love of money is the root of all evil. And uh, Reverend Ike used to say, the lack of money is the root of all evil. <laughs> so it goes both ways. People who don't have money are going to try and find ways to get it. And if they're in a society or a situation where they can't get employment, they're going to do something illegal more than likely. You know, I was thinking, uh, I'm going back up a little bit in the uh, first paragraph. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about why people sometimes when people get um, retire, then they end up like dying within six months or less than a year and stuff. And I was wondering, why would that be? And then here it kind of says, remove all labor from those who have been overtaxed all their lives. In nine cases out of 10, this change would be an injury. I think that's um, sometimes people's whole identity is wrapped up in their job. Mm-hmm. And when they don't have it, it's not they're nobody. Right. You know, right. It's kind of sad that people think their job is them. Their mm-hmm. job is not you. That's just what you do for a living. Right. But you know, it is sad that if people were would recognize that it, you'd be happier to be active, maybe it wouldn't be so many people just hanging around doing nothing and being lazy. But you know, we kind of with this society we kind of push our kids towards inactivity. You know, they took recess out of schools in some places, which I thought was really stupid. How y'all gonna take recess out of schools? So the kids are stuck inside reading books and just getting bored and sick of it. And then they start acting up. And the same with people out on the streets. If, if you were at least at home, you know, maybe you don't have a job, but you're at home, you keep the grass cut, 
you know, you clean up the house. That keeps you from being on the corner, getting into trouble. A lot of our kids are constantly in trouble because they don't have any uh, positive activities to keep them occupied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as they say, and I don't mind is what? <laughs> the devil's mm-hmm. workshop. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, let's see. And so she was, so ending this, this chapter, she talks about if people who are sick would just arouse themselves enough and um, basically compel themselves to get up and do something, you know, <laughs> then mm-hmm. they would get well faster. And I think that probably applies, Lakita know better than me, but I think it would probably apply to people suffering with mental illness too. You know, get up and be active. Don't allow your mind to just dwell on things. And, you know, the devil's always there to put evil thoughts in your mind or to uh, entice you to do something you shouldn't be doing. Well, if you get active and doing something positive, it cuts out, cuts down on the amount of time that you have to listen to what kind of foolishness he's trying to get you into. Mm-hmm. He's Absolutely. always trying to get people into foolishness, too. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, I think we read before where Sister White says that people always complaining and moaning. Well, if we get busy trying to help other people or trying to lead others to Christ, we wouldn't have time to be focusing on our little slights. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. And I think also as part of that activity, we should be reading our Bibles, communing mm-hmm. with God. Like you were saying, Lee, when you go out and walk sometimes, um, you just pray and um, maybe read a scripture before you go out and then pray over that scripture, you know, or something like that. Um, yeah, you were, you were asking what type of amusements they had at the bottom. It says they were playing cards. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and it is funny. If you go to elderly centers, they got them playing cards. They got them playing bingo. They got them playing checkers. Mm-hmm. They got sitting. Them, sitting. Yeah, sitting and doing sitting. this kind of stuff when they could be up doing stuff, you know, go mm-hmm. outside in the garden, you know, take a walk around the block, do something. Right. Or yeah. learn, you know, to take, take up an active hobby where you're mm-hmm. not just sitting there being amused, you're uh-huh. actually creating. Yeah, I'm convinced that uh, arthritis definitely, that's like a behavioral disease to me. Mm-hmm. It's what you eat and how little exercise you're doing. You, I mean, to get out of that stuff, you have to really, really, get up and you have to move you, you cannot because it's like um if you like don't move then you get stiffer and i didn't realize that stiffness mean pain i didn't mm-hmm. understand what that meant <laughs> till you know this past may when i feel they've said i had it so and it's you know you can i, I think you can overcome it it's not going to ever be a time where you won't be at threat of that but I think you can definitely overcome it but no one's going to tell you that medicine's not going to tell you and it's it's just too bad it's just really bad that no one's saying to you you know you got to change what you're eating and exercise mm-hmm. drink a lot of water and you will mm-hmm. you know you can overcome this but people no no medical people are saying that mm-hmm. and I think too on the flip side playing the devil's advocate they kind of can't say it because people drink like they only drink in one cup so now they're going to drink three cups and say oh i'm drinking more water and it didn't work or you know they're eating five bags of chips now they're eating just they switch it over to doritos right <laughs> 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 yeah. 
yeah. and stuff, you know, and it did. So you can't, and then everybody's body is different. You know, some people might need 14 cups of water. Some people might need 60 cups of water in a day. Everybody's so different. So I can kind of get with why they might not say that to people. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, if there's no more comments on chapter 101, we're going to move to section 13. And by moving into section 13, we're moving into the last few miles of this book. Um, and once we finish section 13, we're going to be done with this book. Um, so praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But there's <laughs> four volumes to go. <laughs> All right. So, um, this is the introduction to, um, this, this last segment and, um, she's starting out talking about, um, she needs to she feels it's her duty to talk to God's people plainly. As she says, it is humiliating to her to point out the errors and rebellion of those who have long been acquainted with, with us Adventists in our work. She said, I do it to correct wrong statements that have gone abroad concerning my husband and myself, calculated to injure the cause and as a warning to others. If we only were to suffer, I would be, si- if, well, I guess she's saying, if only them were suffering she would be silent. But when the cause itself is in danger of reproach and suffering, she has to speak, however humiliating it is. And she says that uh, there are, I'm just going to read the rest of this. She says, proud hypocrites will triumph over our brethren because they are humble enough to confess their sins. God loves his people and keeps his, who keep his commandments and reproves them, not because they are the worst, but because they are the best people in the world. And she quotes, as many as I love, says Jesus, I rebuke and chasten. So she's talking about how some of the brethren are criticizing some of the other ones who humble themselves and take instruction and um, change their course when they receive, uh, you, know, you know, instruction. Can you think of anybody in the Bible who changed their course when they were, were told of their error? Well, the rich young ruler, I think. You know, he was like, you know, what must I do to be saved? And then he was like, okay, go sell your riches, you know, let go of the things that you have. Make me first in your life. And he's like, okay, never mind. I, I got you. Oh, well, yeah. So he went away sorrowful because he didn't want to do that. So it wasn't right. him. He wasn't a good example. <laughs> About what? What did you ask? I thought that's so the question was someone who was reproved. Can you think of an example of someone who was reproved and they repented? Yeah, oh, Joseph, you said repented. Oh, Josiah, King uh, Josiah, when he they read the book of the Lord to him, then he uh, repented and the whole city repented and started following God's word. And Nineveh too. Nineveh, they repented and started following God. I think, you say- I think about David also. When Nathan the prophet came to him and told him the story about the poor man with the little lamb, and then David got indignant when he said, so then a rich man came and took his little lamb and cut it up and ate it. And uh, then Nathan told him, well, you're that rich man. <laughs> and he was sorrowful and he repented. <laughs> and then his son, his second son, Solomon, turned out to be the wisest man in the world at that time. <laughs> so um, we have to be ready and open 
because we don't know where it's going to come from, who God is going to use or how he's going to do it to, to, to um, chasten us. Mm-hmm. That all whom he loves, he does chasten. You know, I was looking at this part where it says uh, it's humiliating to her to point out uh, errors and rebellion of the people who have known the work. And I always think about how when we when I go to the store and I see all this health food by these big companies and I'm thinking our church has knowledge of all this stuff since the 1800s. And why are not we li- like leading the pack with selling this stuff? And it is kind of humiliating, you know, in a, in a way. Because you realize, man, the Lord gave us this message and we just didn't push it. And now here's the people out in the world making millions and billions of dollars off of what could have been going into the church's coffers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's, and, that's and, so and another thing, too, sometimes you're talking to people and, yeah, no, Lakita has run into this <clears throat> where she'll say, tell somebody about the benefits of water and they just don't hear it, don't listen, go on doing their thing. Then later on, they come back, you know, having to have been to the doctor to get a new kidney transplant or something. And then they'll say, the doctor told me to drink more water. And you're like, I've been telling you that for years. You just didn't listen. Go to the doctor with that kidney thing. You have to have that kidney um, what is that? The blood dialysis. dialysis is too late. You can only drink so much water. You can only eat this certain type of mild food. It's just crazy. And you could have did all that other stuff. You could, you know, it's just right. Cause you've been, you've heard the truth. You've heard the message. You've heard whatever the case may be years ago and you didn't do it. And now that you're suffering, it's just like, I should have just followed, you know, I should just done it. You know, I, I think we don't really realize how much we put, what we put into our, our bodies affects us and affects our health, you know? And so we allow our appetite to control us, which is, you know, we say, oh, I don't see how Eve could have ate that, that fruit because, you know, God had told Adam about it. <laughs> Eve knew somehow. She must have known somehow. And, and she, we do the same thing. We do the same thing. We do the same thing. You know, we know, we know, like we've, we've heard, you know, the dangers of sugar. We've heard, you know, um, we should eat no meat or less meat or whatever the case may be, whatever people have heard, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, it's interesting that we just we just don't listen. And even when we're diagnosed with an illness, oftentimes most people will not change. You know? Yeah. I think about uh, one time we were watching this show about meat eating. And so was it was it a show or was it somebody talking about it? And he said document remember. And he said that um, he was trying to tell men to get off of uh, of uh, red meat. And he said they weren't listening until he told them cow they were cattle ranchers. And he told and he so they weren't listening. They didn't want to hear that until he told yeah, them. Yeah, they didn't want to hear that. He, until he told them, well, that affects your performance in the bedroom. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they were all ears. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. Uh, what happened that they were all ears? They weren't listening. He was trying to tell them they needed to get off of red meat. And these were cattle ranchers. 
And then they were not listening. It was a gathering of them. They were not listening. They didn't want to hear that until he told them, man, that affects your performance in the bedroom, your ability to perform in the bedroom. And then after that, I'm just saying, they all wanted his green bean casserole recipe. <laughs> <laughs> because he hit, he, hit them, he hit them where they live, you know? Well, you know what? I, um, I do understand when she's talking about feeling humiliated. I do. I felt like that too, you know, um, in my own little health endeavors and stuff, because I know New Start Nutrition, exercise, water, sunshine, temperance, air, rest, and trust in God. You know, and really, if you just assess yourself, you know, how much of this stuff was I really doing? And, you know, none. I hate to say it, you know, everything was low, 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 you know, so... Um, and I just, when I hear about like people who are like, they don't have the, the insight or the message I've been listening to for 30 years now, 30 plus, and they're going on with it. You know, they're vegans. I mean, real vegans. I'm not talking about the vegan. I was kind of like, you know, potato chips are vegan and Oreo cookies are vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Beer is vegan too. But that, but that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, right. yeah. But then yeah. you have the other, the other issue is the sugar. You know, right, right, right. But and I was looking up just today, um, low carb desserts, you know, or no carb desserts, and um, for people who eat a lot of sugar, you can mm -hmm. eat uh, raw honey. You can put raw honey in your stuff without raising your blood sugar levels. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and instead of using any type of grain flour, you can use almond flour mm -hmm. and that, that gives you that low carb. Um, right. And, you know, also keep you out of pain. I mean, that will keep you because gluten is a big inflammation thing. So, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's just, we're just such skeptics. Like, you know, I realize now that 90% of the illnesses are coming from inflammation our in our bodies. Well, yeah. the, our foods is fueling the inflammation. The mm -hmm. inflammation is, is, is underneath a lot of cancer, you know, diabetes, and even in arthritis. These chronic illnesses is a result of chronic inflammation. Mm -hmm. And when you go in we there, were, uh, Last night, we were listening to the program that comes on 3ABN about health. Uh, and... Uh, well, the doctor was saying that they found that a lot of the Africans in West Africa, they had a lot lower incidences of the health problems that Americans have until they come over here and start eating our diet. Mm -hmm. And then they, you know, they, they have the same health problems that we have, which he said, because he was talking about, they were talking about diabetes and, and how sometimes it is hereditary. But he said that when, they did that study and the Africans came from West Africa to over here and over there, they thought, you know, it was hereditary, uh, you know, the type one diabetes, but when they mm -hmm. came over here and they started eating this diet that they said, Oh no, it's not as much hereditary as what you consume. Mm -hmm. You know, the uh, acronym for the standard American diet is SAD. And that's exactly what American diet is. And mm. they pointed out too, 
once the Western food companies went overseas and stuff, then people started getting overweight and getting blood, mm -hmm. high blood pressure and all mm -hmm. kind of illness was hitting them. Like mm -hmm. Sister White said, man, our teen illnesses occur in the mind first, you know. And you can just think, we eat, we think to ourselves, it's Christmas, so I got to eat. It's uh, Halloween, I got to eat. It's Thanksgiving, I got to eat. Any excuse, huh? I mean, I mean, you know, but <clears throat> well, we celebrate to eat. When it, when someone dies, we eat. When someone's birthday is here, we eat. I mean, we're eating. Uh, food is not just about, let's feed my body anymore. Food is about, okay, it's... And they Let's say, feed my emotions. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Social, right. you know, um, the culture and social and just trying to wrap all this stuff up. The bottom line is that death is wrapped up in some of this stuff that we're eating and mm -hmm. it's all looking good. And we have to start looking at our plate and see, is death on my plate? Mm. Are those my enemies down there on my plate? They're there to kill you. You know, it's, they just like... Covering their little, their, their little, uh, what do you call it, decaying uh, enhancements. <laughs> They're covering yeah. it up with smell and texture and color and taste. And we're just falling for it. And isn't it interesting that if we uh, thought or encountered a, a, a burglar breaking into our house, we would take steps to either get out or call the police or something to keep that, that, that person from injuring us or our family. But we voluntarily bring in all the stuff that we put in our mouths. Yes. Yep. I think we do. We definitely do. And we look at our little murders and the and like and um, <laughs> cancer sticks. You know. I mean, well, we our little murderers. <laughs> little murderers. You know. And we, you know, people are out now. Weed has been marijuana. In case people don't know what weed is, marijuana has been um, glorified, glorified, and legalized. And and they got mint, uh, mint, uh, mint weed, and they have chocolate weed. They got all these different flavors and stuff. The bottom line is that it demotivates people. You lay around, do nothing, and then wonder 15 years in why nothing is getting done in your life. I always yeah. thought it was interesting. People that smoke used to ask people, hey, you got one of them cancer sticks? And I'm like, do you know what you're saying? <laughs> I don't think <laughs> you people You asking did. for cancer. I don't think people knew when you could hear it, I can say growing up, cancer was just not as prevalent as it is today. And mm -hmm. if a person got cancer, they almost just quit their jobs and did everything. You know, they just stopped life and, and kind of went on ahead and died or something. Usually they probably didn't catch it too soon. But now people at work with cancer, they're all around, you know, and stuff. So, um, and it's just so much prevalent. And, but it's still not scaring people, you know? No, because our, our, like I said, our appetites are controlling us instead of us controlling our appetites. Yeah. yeah. And if you think about it too, our appetites get formed as little kids. You know, when you think about little kids, the first thing their parents do to shut them up, go to McDonald's and get some French fries, right? So mm -hmm. all the kids grow up loving McDonald's French fries. <laughs> So much that if you got a kid and you uh, went to McDonald's last year, bought some fries, and one of them fell under the seat and been there for a year, if your kid sees it, he'll pick it up and eat it. <laughs> they just mind is Trent is just trained on that type of food, and yeah. it's so easy now because people don't cook like they used to. 
Oh, we got to stop. True. And a lot of the younger people. Just buying fast food all the time. Yep. That's a, what a lot of the, the generation under us, they've got a lot of fast food and they don't realize how much worse off they're going to be when they get our age, you know, for feeding fast food. Fast food. Huh? And now, you know, the thing that you see too, especially in black neighborhoods, is these um, Mideastern owned fried places where everything in there is fried. Fried, yep. It's all fried. Fish, fried chicken, fish, fried dessert, chicken, fried dessert. Yeah. Everything is fried in that same. And place. well, the 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 and like some of the steaks are <laughs> charbroiled, which, um, you know, when you when you charbroil meat, it's a higher incidence of cancer. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And you you only see them places in black neighborhoods mostly, yeah. just like liquor stores. You know, the thing that get me, though, I think one, um, one year I was sitting into a, um, a workshop on health, and the guy was talking about the effects of, I think it was meat on humans, you know, and it was something he said would happen, something, you know, and the people, you know, who were believers in the health message and stuff, they were upset. They were mad. And they were saying Jesus ate meat, and they was just really, you know. Uh, I just think that's embarrassing to me. That's like someone's coming to give you light, and then you're screaming and hollering about how, you know, the um, Jesus ate meat, and I don't care. I'm gonna eat some meat. Really, is it that important? Well, it's, it's just like we we're reading in that first paragraph, and the person came and spoke to the Lord's people in great plainness. And it's humiliating to have to point out things that everybody's been hearing all their life about this. And then you still getting mad because somebody's basically reiterating the truth about yeah. food. And I want, uh, and I'm just asking this, I'm just thinking about this. I wonder how many people that we see limping in church, if they will cut out anti-inflammatory foods and eat, um, no, they cut out inflammatory foods and eat anti-inflammatory foods, mm-hmm. nuts, fruits, mm-hmm. vegetables, and whole grains. How many people would come out of pain? I just wonder, you know, like sometimes. Yeah, so you guys, you need to, as our temperance leaders, you need to leave. You, you, you're often asked to preach. You all need to do a sermon about that. Well, so I can get stoned. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm saying you and Lakita do it together and um, have slides and everything so that people will be aware. And it will be just like she's saying, repeating the air, pointing out air and rebellion to those who have long known it. Well, you know, it's interesting. Here's here's the thing is that that's not a reason not to do it because we're charged with, you know, being a watchman on the walls. And so... My thing is like when I when I spoke a sermon a few years back, my thing was some people learn by hearing, some people learn by seeing, you know, and some people learn by reading. So I had all I incorporated all three of those elements into my sermon, you know, and so it's just like the love languages, you know, people learn different ways, you know. Is y'all's picture messing up too? Um. Is it messing up? Huh? No, I don't think so. Okay, it must be us. Um, okay, and then she and let's let's finish out this chapter. She says, um, 
She called special attention to the remarkable dreams given in the work. She said, all, all the dreams are in harmony and distinctiveness, illustrating the same thing. So basically, they were criticizing her about, you know, these things. And, and she was saying, you know, the Lord has told me in a dream. He's confirmed it in another dream. Everything is in harmony in all the dreams, you know. And so she wasn't going to back down off of what she knew to be the truth and what she knew that came from the Lord. And she said, although she said the multitude of dreams just come from common things in life. You know, you might dream about French fries at McDonald's, Lee, since you brought that up. <laughs> mm. um, but, but she said, and that and she says, and a lot of things, the spirit of the Lord has nothing to do with a lot of the dreams. It's just your experiences, and, you know, life journey or whatever. She said, but she said, and she said, there's also false dreams as well as false visions, which are inspired by Satan. She said, but the dreams from the Lord are classed in the word of God with visions and are as truly the fruits of the spirit of prophecy as visions. And she said, such dreams, taking into the account the persons who have them and the circumstances under which they are given, contain their own proofs of their genuineness. So, you know, we know that she went through a period of, 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 the people were really hard on her about her visions and her dreams and they didn't believe her, you know? And, and so she was making a distinction between, you know, things that you just commonly dream about things that are false dreams. Cause people will come and tell you a false dream and say, well, this is cause this is what's going to happen. You know, years ago I had a dream about a famous singer and that he was going to die, you know? Well, that was just a dream, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it didn't come to pass so it was just a dream you know yeah. on the other hand one night I had a dream about one of our church members and his family and I told Andre about it and 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 I said we need to start praying I don't know the Holy Spirit impressed it upon me start praying now the, the dream that I had about the famous singer the Holy Spirit didn't impress upon me to pray it just you know <laughs> oh, oh okay but the one that I had about a church member and his family, the Holy Spirit said, start praying. And I happened to be in Huntsville at the time. And I told Andre, we need to pray for so-and-so and, and his children. Mm-hmm. And then Andre called me the next day and said, I know why we, we were told to pray. And one of his children had been injured. But we had started praying before he was injured. Amen. Yeah. That, yeah that's I how think- good God is. Yeah. Yeah, he will. He will let you know um, to do some intercessory prayer, and you know stuff that you need to do. Right? I just think about you know sometimes God tells us to do stuff, and we just don't do it, and then we miss out on the blessing. But we don't know we miss out on the blessing because we didn't do what we were supposed to do. Sometimes we do know though, because sometimes I I got to the point where I said, okay, I'm gonna stop doing this. When something tells you to go do something or go back or whatever the case may be, or go get this or go with that or, or say, mm-hmm. you know, you left, you left this. And every time that has happened to me is when I didn't listen, mm-hmm. I got where I was going and I didn't have something that I was, that something told me to go back and look for. I didn't know what I was looking for, but something told me just go back, you know, mm-hmm. go back in the house and I would see it if I went back in, if I even just went back in the house, you know, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, go, I mean, and I'm sure all of us have had that experience. Something told me to do that or something told me, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we didn't yeah. do it. And so 
I started listening. Uh, one day I had a client and she came into the office and we were going through her paperwork and I didn't have any, uh, I didn't have any uh, highlighter markers there at the office. And I asked her, I said, do you have a highlighter? She said, you know what? She said, when I got in the car, the Holy Spirit told me, go back in the house and get a highlighter. And she said, I didn't listen. <laughs> I mean, the Holy, she said the Holy Spirit was very specific, told her to go get a highlighter. And she didn't listen. She said, you know what? I'm going to start listening. Because <laughs> she was like, no highlighter for nothing. Uh, she just brushed past it, you know? And so I think that goes to, if he can trust us in the little things, with little, he can trust us with much. So if he tells us something as insignificant as that, and we don't listen, then why would he tell us anything significant? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. 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 So I will say that, you know, that, um, and I think that especially goes for our diets and stuff too, is that we, you just have to listen, you know, and Deuteronomy 28 says, you listen to the voice of the Lord, your God, you know, that means we don't wait until, you know, we see what's going to happen. You just have to just do what God tells you to do, you know, and then trust and give him glory, you know, give him some praise and stuff, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the big thing. Trust that what God says is true. Mm-hmm. And we, we need to listen and obey. You know, we used to sing that song, as little kids, trust and obey. For there's no mm-hmm. other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Yeah. And as adults, we say, "Well, I'm grown. I, I don't. I'm grown. I don't have to. I don't have to do this. Or I don't have to do that. I'm grown." Mm-hmm. But the Bible says, "Except ye become as what little children." That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's you right. Have to walk by faith. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Live by faith. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, um, that closes out the introduction chapter for today. Lee, where are we next week? Uh, next week, we're in Christian service. It's chapter two, but it's sub-chapter, organized for service. And how many chapters are, how many sub-chapters are we going to cover? Uh, we're going to go into chapter three, which is the next one after that. And that's missionary spirit lacking. Okay. So chapter two through chapter three, any yeah. particular subchapter in three? Missionary spirit lacking. Missionary what? Spirit lacking. Oh, okay. 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 All right. Um, Lakita, you mind closing this out? Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, we thank you so much for this Sabbath, Lord. We thank you that um, that you inspired Sister White to write these words so that we would have a guide, Lord. And we're just so grateful for that, Lord. We ask that um, you would help us to be as diligent as she was, dear Lord, just, you know, writing and doing just like Jesus, everything that the uh, Spirit of God has laid on her heart to do, Father, she attempted to do it. So we ask that you would help us to be like Jesus in that same spirit, he just walked and did according to the will of his father. So help us to follow in those footsteps to be, you know, to walk and do the will of our father. Let us 
as we hear the voice of Christ this week, Lord, please help us not to turn our backs on it and not to go in a different direction, but help us and not to worry about why and what will happen if I do or don't. Just help us, Lord, to do what you tell us to do. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. In Jesus' name we pray and praise you. Amen. Amen.